and welcome to Beyond the Venue. Today's guest, I have my friend Candace Johnson. She's a talent coordinator and event curator. She works with local Philadelphia talent, and she's also a Philadelphia native who is very passionate about people and the color purple. She's been in the music industry for the last decade and worked at Live Nation in the before times. Uh, Her and I connected over Instagram uh, based on our mutual love of both people and events. And we only just had the chance to meet uh, in real life just the one time uh, this past summer. Uh, We were all masked up, but I recognized at the time you had teal hair. And so I said... (laughs) That has to be Candace Smiles. That has got to be her. So we have just continued to support one another um, over this past year over Instagram. And I'm, I'm, I just love everything that you're putting out in the universe. I you know, have always loved your energy and you're just doing all these amazing things. And I'm really excited for our listeners to get to meet you and hear about all the awesomeness that you're doing. So the first question I want to ask your, your persona, the, the wildflower observer, um, tell us all about that. How did you come up with this what does it mean everything um so i guess i it's it's like a it's been a a web of uh ideas that have brought me to this point but um i went to school for visual effects and when i first got into the music scene um i really my whole my first initial goal has always been to open my own music venue like i just love gathering people and so that is still the ultimate goal is to have my own space to gather people. But obviously that requires a lot more. So like I started developing other ways to get to that goal. Um, and I came up with the wallflower observer after watching the movie perks of being a wallflower. Have you ever seen Oh, that? I have not seen that, but now I'm going to have to watch it. Sad. But you know, it's the whole idea that there's all these people that you don't see, but they have all these great things about them. And you're just missing them because they're wallflowers. So I am the wallflower observer. I see these people and I like help them blossom into the person they want to be. Oh, that's um, so beautiful. And I, a lot of it is because I also view myself as a wallflower. I'm pretty outgoing, but at the same time, like working in the music industry, I have always had a thousand ideas that I just feel like we're never being heard. You know, I've like, I've worked in box office mostly. Um, it's not, was it was never my, my, my goal to be in box office, but it kept me, kept my foot in the door as far as the music industry is concerned. So I just kept hustling there, but I always wanted to do more. So eventually I just was like, listen, like I'm an undercooked dog. I want to be an advocate for other underdogs. And that's pretty much where it started to develop was like, I wanted to have this place for anybody who had a talent of any kind could come to me and I would highlight that talent. Um, Because ticketing, especially working in ticketing, um, ticket sales tend to be the main point for somebody to be seen in the music industry, um, which limits how many people are actually getting a a chance to um, get on a stage. Because just because you can't sell this many tickets doesn't mean you aren't talented. So I really wanted to change that dynamic, you know, with, where it's not a competition, that we work more as a community to uplift each other because we're stronger together. And that's what I call my garden. Um, yeah, that's your that's your project, the Wallflower Community Garden. And yeah. for our listeners, um, you know, we'll give you more information of how to follow Candace later on in the show. But you capitalize unity and community. And, and I just love that. So I guess this is how you brought together your garden. So what's that project all about? 
Um, yeah, like I said, it's just really about us people working together to uplift one another instead of like the in entertainment industry being a, uh, being about competition, which is very competitive right now. Um, I think it's always been competitive. I personally think that that's because it's very male dominated and like females have a more like uh, unifying touch to things. Um, so the garden came where I want people to be like, hey, I I'm a photographer. Like, how can I help you with your event? And like, just it's like a way for people to network in a more uh, communal way instead of it being like, oh, well, I know this person and this, I'm going to keep it to myself. Everybody can share together and we can all work together to reach our potential because there's no reason that everybody can't be who they want to be. It's just that right now we're all competing against each other where we're just stronger together. So that's really the whole idea behind the community garden. So like a community of collaborators and idea sharing and just helping one another grow. That's, that's so awesome. And what's interesting when I, so my background is in beer and I often equated, it seemed like there was a lot of correlations between like beer and music that like when you're passionate about music, you know, maybe you like, like a certain subset or, you know, it, it's, it's something that you're very, very knowledgeable about, or, um, you know, you can riff off the name of like bands and artists and, um, you know, kind of the people who are passionate about music, love to talk about music the same way people are passionate about beer, or love to talk about beer, but also to, at least with beer was very male dominated as well. And so I, uh, you know, like you definitely found a lot of community within the other women in the beer industry and you kind of have to make that space for yourself. Um, which speaking of, of making space, like in, in previous conversations, you have told me how passionate you really were about being a black female entrepreneur in such a white male dominated industry. Um, but, you know, can you, can you tell our listeners a bit more about your passion and, and what, what inspires you, who inspires you? Um, well, I guess like, especially last year with everything that happened with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, it really opened my eyes up to how, uh, individualized I was as a black female. I never really saw myself that way. I've been through multiple experiences that I won't go into that have also pointed this out to me. Um, and instead of it being like a crutch or a disability, I realized that this is like my strength, that it's important for me to be recognized as like a, a leader for other black females to also do this sort of thing to so that we don't have to wait for somebody to see us. Yes, we have to work a, a lot harder than the average person, but, um, Especially I, I, the inauguration this year, seeing like Michelle Obama and Amanda Gorman. Wallace, oh, so inspirational. I, I, I never didn't have that growing up. Like I didn't have a, a black woman on standing next to the president. Like that was like amazing to see, you know what I mean? And that was like, that's like, was really inspirational that I can be powerful because I, there was a point that I was seeing it as a crutch that I was like, oh, like I'm just always going to have to work triple as hard as the average person to get what I want. But a, a, a quote that I really like to stick with is create your own lane. And this comedian, Amanda Seals talked about it. And it's like, if you don't see a lane, create your own lane. And that's kind of where I, what I'm running with is I want to create my own lane. I want to be this black female that inspires other black females and women alike to be who they want to be. Um, and like I said, like it, the BL, Black Lives Matter movement was a big inspiration for me to push that part of me. 
Um, especially when Brianna Taylor, that all that happened. I, I, a lot of stuff has happened with, uh, with, uh, you know, the shootings and things like that. But I, I feel like I related so much to Brianna Taylor because she was just like your average person. And I couldn't help but see myself in her. And I was like, wow, like it just existing as the way I look really threatens a lot of different people for no reason. Like she couldn't have been calmer. You know what I mean? Uh, she was EMT, like she was sleeping. I won't go too, too deep into it, but like she was just your average person and I'm just your average black female. And like, it just made me want to be stronger. It made me want to put myself out there even more. I was, I wanted people to recognize. So I use that as, like I said, it's my strength now. I make sure on everything, like people know I am a black female owned business. I'm a black female entrepreneur. What I'm doing is difficult, but anybody can do it. And that's kind of what I want to keep going with. I want to keep inspiring other people. It's hard. I talk about my imposter syndrome all the time because I have insane imposter syndrome. Every, I, I, if any entrepreneur out there said that they never experienced imposter syndrome, they're totally lying straight to your face. Like every, every single entrepreneur goes through it. Like starting your own business and putting yourself out there is terrifying. And so every day, like, I'm like, you are not an imposter. You are not an imposter. Because it's also like, I talked to my therapist about this, but she's always like, you've never been the successful person that you see yourself as. So it's always going to feel like until you reach that point, you're going to feel like somewhat of an imposter because you're not there yet. But eventually you will be that person and you just have to keep striving because that's how it, it's kind of like fake it till you make it, but you're not really faking it because you really are that person. I'm trying to not say fake it till you make it anymore. <laughs> that apparently makes the imposter syndrome worse. <laughs> it's, and, and you bring up therapy, you know, this, this, uh, we talked a lot about mental health, uh, in episode two with Christine that, um, you know, I, my therapist definitely helped a lot with trying to help me fight my imposter syndrome. Uh, syndrome as well so that's that's awesome and I I love that you have that resource yeah yeah I really it's been especially with 2020 like it's just been a long road and I really am happy that I'm doing that I think that it's been helpful especially with all the career goals I've been shooting for to have somebody like that to talk to because you know you can be your own worst enemy sometimes so oh such the truth absolutely Well, speaking of other entrepreneurs, um, I know I had sent you the recommendation to sync up with Wellstruck, uh, the community of entrepreneurs created by Sarah Zero that had been super instrumental to me. And so I saw that you're joined up and you're a part of the community. And um, so I know Sarah had had broken it down into to three different levels of like kind of like a year long commitment. So like I was in the middle tier um, and so I know I personally signed up for it so I could have this accountability for all of 2021 because we had no idea what this year was going to look like. And it has been so helpful for me to have this um, backbone um, of support. Uh, you know, what is what has your experience been like with Wellstruck and what is your kind of commitment or what it, what did you sign up for and how is it going so far? Um, well, I want to say thank you because Wallstruck has been like monumental in my life as well. Like it's just, it, again, it goes back to the imposter syndrome where it's like being around other entrepreneurs, it get, brings some reality to what I'm trying to do. And it has been awesome. Like I'm able to post questions and I get, I get good feedback on how, who I can connect with. 
and how I can handle a situation like contracts or how to launch my business. Like I've been doing a lot of work where I mostly Instagram and Facebook were like the center part of my business, but I wasn't actually making any money from it. Um, I was gaining some momentum before the pandemic, but then events shut down, which was where I was getting my income from, somewhat getting my income from with my business. So I really had to figure out a new way to create revenue. And Wellstruck has been super, super helpful with that. Um, that's kind of how the talent coordinator thing came came to pass because I didn't, I didn't have a name for what I did. I was just like, I'm a people person. <laughs> like, I'm, the, I'm the middleman. Like I didn't know what I was. So Wall Street has really helped me iron out like all those details. And it yeah, cause you mentioned earlier, you, you're an idea gal. Like you have, you, you just have all these ideas and it's so helpful when you can kind of do this brain dump and be like, all right, y'all, I've got 9 billion ideas. Please help me funnel this into <laughs> help me, you know, shrink it down to make it make sense. And that that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's something you told me when we first talked was how like, you know, you, it helped you center down onto being like a venue specialist and specifically looking working with venues and that's really what I needed help with was like because even when people would introduce me they're like Candace this is Candace she does all the things but she's somebody you should know and like even with like business cards like my business card has at the moment has nothing on it just says Candace Johnson (laughs) it doesn't tell you what I do so it's been really really it's been a godsend to have what well struck to iron all that stuff out. I've been, I feel so much more confident in what I'm trying to do and what I'm striving for than I did before. I feel like it's honestly opened up a lot of doors as well. That's awesome. And what, what is the setup or like what, um, is it like an annual commitment? Are you with this group for a year or is it, is it less committal than that? Um, I'm minus six months. Okay. So for six months and then I'm not sure if after that I can sign up for longer because it's something I would love to continue with. Like, I don't want the six months to end. Like, I feel like it's something good to have through and through as I like continue to build my business. So I'm not really sure what, uh, what I have to do to renew it after the six months, but I'm definitely on like the first tier. Like I can't quite, um, I can't be a part of the round tables yet, but Sarah has come up with other ways for me to like network with, or for anybody in that first tier to network with other people in the group. They had a uh, happy hour the other day. Mm-hmm. And it- like a few of us and we all got together and just kind of got to know each other. And that was really cool because like I said, it's just good to talk to people who are in the same boat as you, you know, who are also striving to get something off the ground that maybe oh, right now you're the only person that understands. <laughs> well, speaking of understanding, I am not familiar at all with what a talent coordinator actually does. Um, and in a previous conversation, you had mentioned you're working with the art artist Artist Jello vibes, which I <laughs> love that name. Um, what what is a talent coordinator? What what does a talent coordinator do? Um, well, so like I said, Wall Shark really helped me come to this conclusion. It's I'm basically I at first I was calling myself like a professional middleman. Um and then somebody said talent liaison and I did some research and talent coordinator is a legitimate position that they have in agencies and things like that. But basically we are the middleman between the talent and venues or events. So basically an artist can contact me and I have, I now have, or will be launching soon um, specific services that I can help them with, such as like booking or helping them 
you know, just con- con- doing a consultation where I can talk to them about where they are and where they're trying to grow as an artist and what they're looking for. Um, and, and basically I, I do the networking for people. Um, it's the same way with venues. Like if they need an opener or, you know, you need a vendor really fast, you can contact me. And I just basically have this black book of people and I can connect them and be like, Hey, I have this person. I feel like they would be great for opening this show. And then like, you know, I, I would charge a fee for finding that person. And that's pretty much what a talent coordinator does. I'm just like the, the liaison between the artists and the venues or the event. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's honestly, it's literally what, what I am. Like I love meeting people and I love learning about like attending events and learning about different venues. So it was like the perfect description of what I've been trying to do. Um, and then Jello vibes is actually, that's kind of a separate thing when I started like before the wallflower observer really took off. I, I am his uh, manager, but he happens to be my best friend. We grew up together. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've known him since we, I was like 14. He's like my brother. Um, but he is a marimba player and a mallet player. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, he has this new machine. It's called, um, it's like a MIDI controller, but it's called a, a Pearl Mallet Station. And basically, it's like an electronic vibraphone. And he started creating his own music. And he's just so talented. Like, he always has been talented. So I wanted to... Because my, you know, my number one thing is helping those around me. So, of course, I was going to help him because he's my best friend. I was like, listen, like, let me manage your project. Like, you're amazing. Like, I know you're going, people are going to notice you. And so that's where the, the his name's Angelo. So that's where Jello comes from. And oh. His, his Jello vibes. Okay. That makes, that makes perfect sense. And does he, does he sing at all or is he, is he usually perform solo or is he a, a member of a, a band? Um, no, it's all solo. He just performs the mouth. So the way the mouth station works is he can like put uh, different sounds into it. He can do remixes of songs. It's just a way for him to create his own music. He completely designs all his music himself. Um, he, it's all, it's funny because like his main instrument is playing like the marimba, but like, you know, it's in the scene that we're in, like a marimba player doesn't exactly draw attention. So this is a good way for him to like branch out and like get into the electronic world while still like having that classical training um, within there. So it, it's really cool. It's no, nobody else is doing it. And that's what excites me the most is like nobody. Most people don't even know what a vibraphone is. So I'm like, I was, I was going to ask, can you explain to our listeners what a vibraphone is, what a marimba is? I, I I feel like these terms are familiar to me. I did play the clarinet for seven years. Um, <laughs> were you also called a mediocre clarinet player? You ended up going into the music world. You're probably infinitely better than I am at the clarinet. Uh, maybe not anymore. No, I haven't touched the clarinet in a long time. I played clarinet all through high school, elementary school. I was actually a section leader. So I was, <laughs> I was actually not too bad. I love telling people what to do, but... <laughs> Which explains why I am the way I am, because I love being in charge. Don't tell my boyfriend I said that. Uh, he saw, saw me a bully. But, um, yeah, it. I played clarinet for, like, eight years, and then I got in a drum line, and I actually did independent drum line for, like, that was probably, like, another, like, six or seven years of my life. And I did that, like, outside of high school and in the college and everything so I was a musician for a very long time and I recently last year actually just got myself a drum set and I've been teaching myself drum set and trying to get back to that musical side of myself because 
I'm always like, I'm a musician too. Like I, I don't, you don't see me on the stage, but like I, I was a, I was a musician for like 10 years, 10 plus years. I just, I played the cymbals in drumline. And okay. that doesn't transfer over after, into like bands or like, you're not like, Hey, like, can I be your cymbal player? <laughs> <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of ads for the cymbal players. Um, yeah. and the, and yeah. got it. Exactly. Like, Phil, like we need a cymbal player to come fill in tonight. <laughs> So that did, so I kind of just once I uh, stopped doing drumline, my musical uh, world kind of stopped for a while, which is why I probably fell so in love with like wanting to support other musicians because I actually really do understand music really well. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to play my drum set and I'm trying to be get to that musical part of me again. It's funny. Now are you are you self teaching yourself the drums or do you are you taking lessons? Um, yeah, so I was t- taking lessons from Aaron Harrell. He's actually the drummer for Wax Future and 5AM Trio. They're like a local Philly uh, Philly group that um, plays around. But he's an amazing drummer. And I was just, I met him randomly at an event I actually did in New York. I, I was called Dub Yoga. We had like a gel vibes played. We had all these people come and they did yoga. And then we had a concert afterwards. And this was like a daytime event that we did. And I met him because he had a local DJ's hat on this guy, Patrick Richards. And I was like, Oh, Patrick Richards. Like I know that. And then it turned out we were both from Philly and he started teaching me lessons. And he's like one of my favorite people now. He's an amazing drummer. If you have a chance to check him out, it goes by zone drums. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so back to, <laughs> we got on the tangent. Um, uh, uh, what a marimba and a, Oh, but, but, I was like, ooh, vibraphone? Yes. Okay. What What are those two instruments? Um, so the best way I would say to explain it is it's like a xylophone. Everybody recognizes a xylophone, but these are like larger versions of it. So the vibraphone has a vibration to it. So it sounds more like bells, I would say. Um, and marimba has a more of a wooden sound to it. But basically they're like large xylophones. That's the best way to for you, for the average person to picture it. So you would take a xylophone and like double the size of that. Um, and then they just have different sound qualities to them. Um, yeah, so that, that's what they are. There are definitely instrumentalists out there who people know. Um, but it's, it's, it's a growing thing. I'm excited about it. We're working on I'm excited for his project. He's been doing a lot of different collaborations. So it should be good. I'm excited for, I'm excited things have been coming back. <laughs> I like Only but surely. <laughs> We're getting there. And it's, it's great that, you know, kind of, so was he technically your first client? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It, I mean, it was one of those things, like I've, I'm actually taking a course on music industry essentials from NYU right now. And one of the things they talk about is that like, if you're going to manage somebody that the relationship is really important and he's just like somebody it's, it's, he's like family to me. So like it re- we work really well together and, I don't, uh, there's nobody's project that I believe in more than his. And he really, you know, uplifts me too. He's actually how I like got my LLC. Like we just work really, we bounce off of each other really, really well. So um, technically, yeah, he was my first client. It's, and it's great when you're able, cause my, my first clients as well were friends of mine. I had known for 20 years from Drexel. So it's so nice when you're able to kind of figure out what you're doing with, with friends who know you and trust you and definitely helps alleviate a lot of the imposter syndrome as well. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Honestly, like I, everybody that I've worked with are like my friends. That's just kind of how I uh, conduct myself. Like 
I always say I'm like your biggest cheerleader. Like, once you start working with me, I will probably be in like every show. I will share everything. Like, I will be your biggest fan because I oh I it's really important for me to also believe in the people that I work with. So I am specific. I, I wouldn't say I'm too specific about who I work with, but believing in your project and seeing it for what it is is important to me. So um yeah, everybody's my friend. Like, I would say you're my friend. Like, everybody's my friend. I'm like, we're going to be friends. Like, I'm going to support you no matter what I got to do. Like, you've uplifted me. I'm going to give it back to you. So uh, have you, do you ever have difficulty in saying no? Or have you come across like some situations where you're like, ah, this is not going to be the right fit? Um, has it been kind of like, if you've been put in that situation, was it like easy? Or have you had some difficulties in that in that world? Um, I definitely have had, had difficulties. Um, it's definitely trial and error. I think Wallstruck has also been helpful with this is learning to learning my worth. Um, because I would say before, even like before this year, like I pretty much was like any opportunity that came my way was a good opportunity. And I have learned that that's not true. Um, (laughs) it's not a good opportunity. You really need to think through, how you want to be represented. And, you know, some people, like I said, I didn't really know my worth. So there's been situations where I've done a lot of work and there hasn't been a lot of comeback for me, you know? So I'm just learning how to navigate those waters currently, like being, being able to be like, no, I know that I have like this resume and I know I'm confident. It's more about just being confident in myself to say that no, because I, before I was just like, nobody knows who I am. Like, I need to do whatever I need to do so people can know who I am. And now I feel like I've done that legwork. So now I feel confident being like, no, like this doesn't really coincide with what I'm, what I represent. Um, That rarely happens though. I I have gotten a lot of weird Instagram stuff. Um, That's probably where it comes in the most. Like a lot of weird people being like, let me do this. Let's work together. And then they want to like charge me to work with me. And I'm like, ah, no, I'm okay. Um, but that's a little easier because I don't know who those people are on, on Instagram. Right. It's not coming from a friend or a referral. Like it's just yeah. strangers off the internet saying, Hey. Yeah, exactly. A much, a much easier no, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about something super fun. You are currently planning your own wedding. I know you've mentioned boyfriend a couple times, so I didn't want to correct you. Um, but uh, t- tell me about the, was there a, a proposal, like a whole to do, or was there just a, let's do this thing. And also what has your experience been like planning your own wedding for someone who loves people and events? Um, uh, well, I say boyfriend because fiance's loaded. Um, <laughs> I can't say fiance without having somebody ask me a thousand questions. This is a little different, but I've just been going with boyfriend because I'm not always trying to go like deep into it. If you just say boyfriend, people kind of keep it moving. <laughs> um, people ask you a million. So they do ask you the million questions. Huh. I, yeah, if I, I say, did not think about that before, but you're right. Let me see the ring. What, how to happen? So I just say boyfriend and, Nobody, it doesn't phase anybody, but yes, he is my fiance. We've actually been together going on 10 years. So we've been together wow. a very long time. Um, and he did it. At, he, my boyfriend, he's, he's very different than I am. I'm very loud and outgoing and he's actually pretty quiet. Um, so we went, we planned a trip to New Orleans and he, we um, had a whole plan to go out for Valentine's Day. And he proposed to me in the hotel room on Valentine's Day. Um, I actually thought it was a joke. 
(laughs) people weren't there because I took me about three days to stop asking him if he was kidding. Um, Because I like, I was like, this is not funny. Like we have been together for so long. I was just like, are you joking with me? Like, this isn't funny. Um, But it was like perfect because I, I'd never been to New Orleans before. Um, It's always been on bucket list and it's actually a huge inspiration of what I'm trying to bring to the wallflower as well. Like New Orleans is just like this magical place. Like I, I was, I fell in love. I was like, we're moving here, which I do anytime I go anywhere. I'm like, we're moving. <laughs> My husband definitely, when we, we just went to New Orleans for the first time in early 2019. And my husband definitely would wake up each morning with Zillow postings of property in New Orleans. Um, I, I feel like now I absolutely have to introduce you to uh, the guest from episode two, Christine, because she loves New Orleans. And I would not be surprised if she ends up moving there one day. Yeah, I mean, I have some friends down there, too. And I mean, one, the weather is like, I'm not a fan of the cold for somebody who lives in the Northeast. I like absolutely hate snow. I don't like the cold at all. Um, But I was born here. So I'm still here. And I do love Philly for other reasons. But it's just they have they have the whole working together culture and entertainment coming together to like uplift each other up down pat like everybody is in support people walking off of the streets just to play their instruments on the thing like i was like philly we have enough to have that like that should be happening here you know like we have enough musicians and artists and all these different people like we could totally have that like we could be like new orleans obviously they have their own culture so we'll always be something different but that community we could totally have that here we have we have the means to have a community like that so yeah that that was uh that was where I was proposed to. So it was perfect. Like, I feel like everything was exactly how I wanted. I liked that it was kind of just us. Um, and it's uh, honestly, before he proposed, I probably, I was one of those women that was, I don't want to get married. Marriage is a, uh, you know, a construct that they beat into your head as a little girl. And I was very like that. And the second he, I had my whole wedding pr- uh, plan before we even got on the plane. <laughs> like a total (laughs) witch flipped and I was like oh okay we're gonna have this and we're gonna do this and this is what I'm wearing oh my goodness so um I actually it's crazy because I I love planning my own wedding but I'm also having a little trouble loosening the reins to allow people to help me um just because I am an event planner so that's been kind of a reality check for me like my like bridesmaids are like let us help you and I'm like no this is how I want it (laughs) that's just how this type a I I told my uh my party that like this is the and my my mother and my mother-in-law it's like okay this is the date of my bachelorette party this is the date of my shower this is what we are doing for the shower i am not opening gifts i you know we're doing a green like please bring an unwrapped gift there will be plenty of alcohol (laughs) i can't stand wrapping paper i don't wrap anything because i'm like you're just trading trash. What do you need this for? The gift is wrapped already in a box. Like, <laughs> so I love that idea. <laughs> and I, and so it, we ended up compromising where, um, you know, my friends don't want to watch me opening gifts, but the, the moms and the aunts and the, you know, that generation wants to see you open their present. So that's what I did was, um, thank them and kind of like, you know, open them up in front of the family members to, you know, show respect. But, you know, the rest of my friends just kind of sat in the back drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'm like thinking, I'm like, I'm like, maybe I'll do like a daytime 
uh, bridal shower slash nighttime bachelorette party, like do something for my family and like we can all do something at night. I don't know. I It's getting proposed to during the pandemic was definitely a thing in itself. Um, finding a venue. I, I heard a lot of horror stories about people who were basically getting ripped off once. I, I think I spoke to you a little bit about this too. Like I was, I was monitoring your page because I actually was trying to see like what was going on with like how many people can gather. Like, should I book a venue now or should I wait? And that actually helped me a lot. I downloaded like the booklet that you had, like I was actually picking up what you were doing. And, um, I, that's actually how I found my venue was the woman I'm, we're getting married in Cape May. It's called the Corinthian Yacht Club. And the woman really just was like, listen, like, I'm not going to book you for 2021. She's like, basically anybody in 2020, I'm just moving to 2021, which just showed me that she like really honored the people who she was working with instead of her being like, you have to have it anyway and waste your money and people can't even gather. Um, I really like that she was working with all these other people. So that's what I went with. And our wedding is actually not till September of next year, but I wanted to make sure, you know, things were in the clear because I wanted to have the wedding I wanted. And I refused to wear a mask at my wedding. So I was like, I'm not covering all this up. So <laughs> two more years, that's what we're doing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been an absolute nightmare for sure. And that's, you know, that's why I've been focusing on the elopements and micro weddings. And, you know, it's, I, I think, I am very, very curious to see how the wedding industry shifts in 2022 if um, people will continue to like shrink down and do smaller or, oh, we got engaged during the pandemic. I'm fine waiting and having like a huge blowout rager with every person that I know. Like I'm, I, I literally have no idea what's going to happen, but also everybody's so different and everybody's, you know, different with their personalities, their budgets, their, their experiences. Um, you know, a lot of the 2020 couples, you know, if you had your wedding booked for early 2020 and then moved it to the fall and then moved it again to 2021 and you're just, I'm I'm done. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to play this game anymore. So I'm glad that you guys were able to just, I, I, I'm going to safely assume that September, 2022 should be free and clear. Um, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be wonderful. Everything's, everything's going to be amazing. Yeah, I actually appreciate the extra time too because weddings are expensive. Um, my mo- as much as like my mom and other people, they were like, "Well, you don't have to have a big wedding," and I'm like, "Have you met me? I don't. Do <laughs> I don't. Nothing I do is small." And I'm like, I- "I've. It's actually been like a reality check for the fact that I don't really have boundaries with people." <laughs> Because I was like, okay, well, you can't invite everyone to your wedding. So it really made me, re- especially with the pandemic, it really made me evaluate like the people in my life and who do I really want my wedding. And that's been a list that's changed about three or four times. Um, I have another year to work on it. So we'll see what the final result is. It's And I, I always encourage my clients to kind of like block it out. You know, it's like if you were forced to do like 50, you know, 25 and under, 50 and under, 75, you know, just kind of like those blocks based on different regulations. So maybe if that's helpful for you of like trying to segment it that way. So even though, you know, you could have 250 people and that's maybe that that's easier for you as well as um, one of the recommendations a friend gave to me that I give to all my clients is if you know you have to invite someone, but you don't necessarily like want to, don't send them a save the date. <laughs> Somebody told me this as well. And I'm, I'm like keeping that in my pocket. <laughs> oh, so, um, just, uh, just a little 
tip and trick there. Uh, I so I am actually surprised, but I like I, it. <laughs> I'm surprised that you didn't pick a, a music venue for your wedding. Now, is this kind of like a separation of church and state? Like I'm a I'm a music industry professional, so I'm I'm gonna separate that from Candace the bride. Is that kind of where your head was at, or also yeah. uncertainty of what is going to be available around that time? Um. No, I knew I wanted to do, a, I, well, the original idea was to do a lot myself. Like I wanted to be able to, I wanted to save as much money as I could. And my girlfriend, she did a whole, she DIY'd her whole wedding, um, like a couple of years ago. And I, she, it, it was beautiful for having done mostly everything herself. So that was the original plan. And I always knew I wanted to get married at the beach. Um, so we, our original plan was we were going to get married on the beach, rent chairs, um, but that turned out to be a lot of work. <laughs> so that's where we went with the venue because they basically were like, we'll do everything for you. Basically you show up and that's it. Um, and also I did look into other venues, um, but they were really expensive, <laughs> like really, really expensive and not for a long period of time. And I was like, I'm not gonna have like a three hour wedding. I wanted to be able to have the, you know, my rec- I, I'm like excited to bring music. Like I booked a uh, sunny shine who's like uh, Sunny from Sunnyshine Underwear Sound. She's going to play my wedding. And like, I'm basically using all these people I know. And I'm like, I'm throwing like a banger. <laughs> and so I wanted to have a space that was going to allow me to do that. And not that the venues couldn't, but like for the time limit and the cost that they were asking for, even the catering, it was just like way out of my price range. Awesome. Well, speaking of venues, um, my, my last question for you today is what is your favorite venue? So any anywhere in the world. Um, so it's funny because I was saying earlier how like this was a very difficult question for me to come up with an answer with because I'm just like it's actually what bought me to you I'm like a venue connoisseur like I'm like I I, I'm the biggest critic when I go to venue I'm like that's designed wrong that doesn't sound like I'm so annoying um so I thought really hard about it and I would have to say the man center um oh yeah one of my favorite venues like I don't have a bad moment that I've ever had at the man center and they always have such a um variety of different kinds of things that come through the man center i've seen game of thrones live. i was gonna say the live i love the live shows and movies with the orchestra uh we did jurassic park a couple years ago and it was amazing i know amazing yeah i've seen i mean seeing the movies where the orchestra plays and i've seen i love the disco biscuits they're my favorite band so they've had city disco there like i've just seen so many things and i love being outside like amphitheaters are just my favorite in general so I would definitely have to say the man center um I actually checked the man center to get married at the man center but the the to the parking lot alone was just expensive they were like well we can put you in this part of the parking lot but it would cost this much I was like I'm not getting married in a parking lot (laughs) (laughs) I don't love you guys that much (laughs) and they are reopening this summer yeah, I think so. That I, they're either in the summer, or like like the late summer, is what I've heard. Is that they'll be opening, which is cool because they have you know it's outdoors. I feel mm-hmm. like you know limit the capacity. It's the man center. It's easy to keep people distance from each other. That place is huge, mm-hmm. and I love to have like the skyline stage and you can see the whole city. I just have so many great great times at the man center. It's a great place. It's yeah, those views are unreal, absolutely unreal. Ah. 
All right. Well, um, can you please let our listeners know how they can follow you, uh, whether it's Instagram or a website? And also, are there any events that you have coming up um, like mid-April and beyond that our listeners could, could attend? So um, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm always the Wallflower Observer or um, Wallflower OB at Wallflower OB. Um, that's my tag, Facebook and Instagram. That's mainly where you can follow me. Uh, there, I also have a link tree now, which you can see the the link for that in my Instagram. And that'll bring you to like the community garden, all the other Jello Fives artist page. It'll connect you to all that kind of stuff. Um, I, at the moment, I am just currently trying to launch myself as a talent coordinator. And that's pretty much my main goal right now. I am working with a couple of venues and I'm working on getting uh, my another client. I'm currently working on Muskrat Flats. They are playing a show this Saturday that I highly recommend everybody check out if they can. Um, they're a pretty cool local band. But as far as... Is, like, it, is it a virtual show, I assume? It's actually... Or an outdoor, outdoor show or... Outdoors, it's a, a small small bar um, outside of the city called the Red Lantern. Um, okay. They stream virtually as well. So, like, if you obviously, if not everybody's vaccinated, if you're not comfortable, you can definitely watch it on your computer. Um, but as far as like any large events, myself, I'm not really doing anything. I am working with Lemonade Social um, to bring them some artists. Uh, it's a virtual platform that they use. It's kind of the same idea where um, they want to bring the the artistry back to the artist so you can basically create these rooms and it, you can donate to people you can click on the different artists um and they have something called a lemonade spring festival which is happening basically all throughout the spring and i'm going to be bringing them some artists um throughout the month just to highlight them as well but and you can check all this out on my instagram page all of the information I'm also super friendly. So if everyone want to contact me and just like talk to me, like I always encourage that. Like I love to talk on the phone. That's how I've got a lot of connections in general is you can totally just like contact me and be like, Hey, I want to know more about what you're about. And I'm happy to talk to you. And that's exactly how we connected. You're like, Hey, <laughs> I want to know what you're all about. And I was like, I want to know what you're all about. <laughs> um, so this was super exciting today. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. It's, it's been just such a delight getting to hear more of just about you and your passions. Um, so listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, make sure you follow beyond the venue podcast on Instagram and make sure you subscribe on all your streaming platforms. Have a great day.